Hey, it's Charlie here on The Music Show. Uh, I've got Glenn Hartman here in, again uh, for part two of our interview. Um, how was your last week? Was it good? Last week was great. I played some good gigs, but next week is going to be even better. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, we're, let's pick up where we left off. <laughs> 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 that's great. It's kind of crazy. And that's a new. That's your newest. That's the newest. Yeah, it's called "Here Come the Seltzer Men." And when did that come out? Came out about a year ago. Yeah. How's the response been? I thought more people would get the joke, honestly, but um, but people love the record. People who hear it love the record. Okay. Um, but they love the record despite they're not getting the joke necessarily. I think no. I think yes. People, it's funky. They like it. Yeah. Regardless of the fact yeah, that there's funky. a really it's the least really it's detailed the least joke Yiddish thing that we've done. <laughs> okay. Um, Is this uh, signaling to you guys uh, future projects or? Uh, no. I, you guys I, are pretty rooted in doing I, what I, you want to do, right? But no. Well, our our late our next tour is going to be as the Myers when we're going to, to to Texas as that four piece, and I'll play a lot of organ. Cool. And we did go to Colorado as that band as well. It's hard sometimes when you have such an all-star band to grab horn, the horn players who are off touring Japan. So um, mm. sometimes we need other options. Mm -hmm. And so the question becomes, do you present the music the way you want to do it or do you present the music that you think the people want to hear it a certain way? Like, do we always need a horn player because people expect us to have a horn player? Mm. Or do, is it really our music to do what we want with and that sort of is a parallel to the discussion we were having earlier about New Orleans music versus New Orleans music. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not your version of what you want. It's what we want. Right. But to a certain extent, again, to the other part of the discussion we were having, you've the, feed, the audience and the band feed off each other. And sure. So there's a certain element of giving them people what they want. Yeah. While there's expectations. You want to meet them. You don't want people to be disappointed for sure. Mm -hmm. So as the Myers, there's no horns. In that the Myers, group. no horn player in the Myers. And no accordion. And no, well, no accordion, right. But when we go out on the road, I do. And I do when we play live, like at French Quarter Fest, I didn't play a B3. I just played this, but we did do Myers tunes. All right. And now are you actually using a B3 or are you using a replication? Depends on the gig. All right. Well. <laughs> if there's a B3 there, yes. Do right. I bring a B3 with me? Not no. any longer. What well, do you use? I used to tour with Anders Osborne and I did drag a, a B3. It was really a C3, but it's the same thing all around the country. Um, what do I use? Well, right now I have a Korg that's okay, but it's after... Um, playing all weekend at French Quarter Fest on real organs, I'm, I want to throw the Korg in the garbage. Mm. Um, and so I spoke with a friend of mine who, who does a lot of work on organs, Trevor Brooks, who um, is, a, is a great 
uh, gear guy in town and a really quite fine organ player as well. And he um, he's going to help me get a rig together with a with a Hammond M100, which is the smaller version of the V3 that um, Green Onions was recorded on. Not even wasn't even recorded on a V3, even though everyone thinks of it as the most famous V3 track. Hmm, that's an M100. Yes. Huh. So Trevor Brooks is gonna is gonna get me an M one hundred. Get you one? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was thinking, is he is he putting together? I mean, we're gonna see. I'll let you know All right. to be followed up in a month. All right. I said, wait till after Jazz Fest. It's okay. A little busy, right? Audience, stay on those pins and needles because next month we'll find out how it goes. So when are you guys hitting the road? June. All right. First weekend of June. Cool. We're you looking playing. forward to it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, the tour is all through Texas. Just we're in Texas. playing in uh, Houston, uh, um, at the Continental Club, and in Austin at the Continental Club, and at Steve Wertheimer's daughter's bat mitzvah. Nice <laughs> in uh, Austin, Texas. That's awesome. <laughs> Great, Austin. That one's the last time you were there. That's been a little while. Austin's changing. What's the What's the? Oh man, it's just it's the new. San Francisco, Seattle, it's like just, oh, it, it's growing beyond its capacity to handle it. That wah, happens. Wah, wah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Glad we're in New Orleans. Yes, well, when, the, when I was in San Francisco and this place opened up called Toast, which sold toast, and, um, and there was a line out the door, and... Um, you know, <laughs> it was, they did mill their own flour. Ooh. However, the end it, product is it still was toast. toast. Yeah. And um, so people liked it a lot. Yeah. So Say no more. <laughs> I don't know what else. I didn't know what I thought at that point. It was time to move back to New Orleans. Yeah. And so how, how long after Katrina until you were officially back here? It's a, I'm, I'm not going to say it's embarrassing. Okay. I refuse to say. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll take that as a yes. Um, what's your favorite place to play? We can put Jazz Set Fest aside because that's probably in its own special place in very because you've done that so many times for so long. Yeah. But let's just put that one aside. Not saying that would be your answer, but... Okay. Um, my favorite place to play... Well... I'll just, I mean, I'm not going to pick a favorite place to play. I'll tell you that I, I, we play at the DBA. I love playing at the DBA. We have great gigs at the DBA. Um, we play at the DBA with the Klezmers every Mardi Gras day, and it's always very special. Um, my other favorite places to play in New Orleans are Siberia, because it's, I just like the vibe down there on St. Claude. I play a lot at the Saturn Bar. Mm. And the sidebar is a very small venue in Mid-City, right behind the courthouse. And we play there often as smaller bands, duos, trios. And it's the purest music experience in town right now. Hmm. Um, in terms of no, is the audience has no expectations. They really want the artists to do what the artists want to do. And so you don't, not that you feel a lot of pressure other places, but it's you. the pressure there is to be as creative as possible 
and it's very fun um, because of that. So I'll tell you, the biggest gig I ever played was with the Klezmer All-Stars. We played one time on the, on the, on the mall in Washington, D.C. Wow. on the 4th of July at the foot of the Washington Monument. And it was a concert put on by Nick Spitzer, who does that American Roots show. Yeah. And it was called the American Roots Concert. And it was all ethnic bands, and um, but, but great American Roots bands is what I would say. And it was the Klezmer All-Stars. It was the Staples Singers. It was the Gatemouth Brown Big Band when he had that. It was Junior Brown. It was Paquito de Rivera all playing together um, live on on the radio and at the foot of the Washington Monument. It was such a giant show. Like there was, I don't know. They can hold a lot of people in the mall there. Yeah, I mean <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. Wow. And, um, and at the end of our concert, it was like, turn around and watch the National Symphony Orchestra on the foot of the Capitol and the fireworks in the sky. And, and so that might be the biggest gig I've ever played. Yeah, um, sounds special too. It was special for a number of reasons. One was that we all stayed at the same hotel and I got to drink at the bar with Mavis Staples. <laughs> and that was magical. Uh-huh. And um, and then we all ended up on stage together singing like at the finale, like singing Jambalaya. And she, I was standing next to her and she handed me the mic. She goes, I think you know the words better than me. And I was like, uh. like I can't believe Mavis Staples just gave me the mic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Talk about pressure. Ignore the hundred thousand plus, hundreds of thousands of people out in the crowd. Who didn't, definitely didn't want to hear me sing. Right. They're like, <laughs> as she hands off the microphone. Nick Spitzer, that guy does a great job. You're going to be teaching with him, huh? He's still teaching at Tulane, no? I guess he probably is. I haven't talked to him in a while. but um... Nick, if you're listening... Nick, come, give me a call. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot to talk to you about. Yeah. And come on the show. Come show me how it's done. Because it does a great job. So, favorite, well, biggest show was basically in front of the United States. Smallest show. Smallest show, well, would be at those shows at the sidebar or, or little house concerts. And when are you, when is, is this a standing gig at the sidebar? No, uh, but, um, like the, over Jazz Fest, the Klezmer All-Stars will be at the sidebar as the entire band, which is a crazy thing to do because the, the place is teeny. Smaller than Little People's Place? It's Yeah, it's teeny. Hmm. I mean, it, it like if there's 30 people there, it's crowded. You know what I mean? It's small. Those are good. So, so we'll blow it up with the whole band, Klezmer All-Stars. And what time is that? What date? That'll time? be Saturday, May Fourth Saturday, May fourth, I believe. Okay, that about right. Yes, because the good. first is a Wednesday, Tuesday. Thursday. Yeah, Saturday, May fourth. Okay, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. And um, the entire the whole band. Yeah, I mean, like seven people, three horns. You know, Aurora has an earlier gig, but when she gets there, there'll be all three, three of us. Wow, three of them. Cool. That'll be exciting. So that's good. How did you transition from keyboard or piano to 
to the accordion. To the accordion. Well, I um and you said so initially, yeah, I thought the accordion was fun to play, but but hard, and then I had gone out. Um, so we started the klezmers. I was playing accordion, and I wouldn't consider myself a very good accordion player for at that point. And I never had an accordion lesson. I still have not had an accordion lesson. Um, not necessarily proud of that fact. It just is how it happened for me. And then I um, was touring with Anders. I kind of left the day-to-day klezmer work and went on the road with Anders for a couple of years when Anders first got signed to Sony Records. And um, I was playing mostly organ and a little bit of accordion. Accordion when we did all the in-store and all the radio stuff and and then um, some a little bit on stage. And then we were playing a gig at the Cambridge Folk Festival in Cambridge, England. And I met an accordion player there whose name was Phil Cunningham, who's my favorite accordion player in the world. And he was there by himself playing accordion. Hmm. And it, it just it had never occurred to me that in the United States, you see accordion players. And if, you know, in Louisiana, it's a little bit different, but... You see Lawrence Welk, you see Polka, you see all this stuff. You don't see a lot of people playing solo accordion except strolling in restaurants or whatever it is, you know. And, and um, this guy was playing the Cambridge Folk Festival and crushing playing Scottish folk music hmm. and uh, blowing my mind. And he was an amazing guy in general. He was drinking a Guinness at 11 in the morning and just... And um, and I just didn't, and, and it just inspired me to learn how to play accordion, really learn how to play accordion. Hmm. So I came back to the United States and I got my first solo accordion gig. And it was only then that I started to really get the left hand together. Before and, I was and, like, you know, and learning all the, and I started learning folk songs from all around the world. Okay. So one of the other things that I'm doing at Jazz Fest is I have a kid's, program they call the earth tones and i do a musical world tour with washboard Chaz and dr jimbo walsh plays bass and my son is actually in that band and uh, riley and we play um you know folk tunes from all around the world with some dancers who do dances and stuff it's really it's a cool way to teach about world culture mm. and um we used to tour that band to a lot of elementary schools and public libraries but we haven't done that in a while but um but so i started learning folk songs and uh, that's kind of how i became a real accordion player is i started to learn how to play the instrument by learning different songs in different styles okay all right and so for the listeners that you mentioned the left hand that's the the hand with all it doesn't buttons. look like a piano yeah. right, right right so yeah. there's many kinds of squeeze boxes and the one that I play is called a keyboard, chromatic keyboard accordion. Okay. And historically, um, the accordion was just a button box. It had buttons on both sides, and they added the keyboard on the right hand in the early 1900s. Okay. And the first one was invented... Um, in Italy, and then it sort of, and then in in really in San Francisco, they kind of built it, and it was built for this guy named Guido Diero. Guido Diero. 
And um, and he was a giant. He became a superstar in vaudeville. He was married to Mae West and everything. He was kind of a nutty superstar. He was like the first accordion superstar. And he was could play fast and fiery and and um, hmm. and uh, so so that's the kind of accordion that I'm playing. And that's historically what uh, what the Zydeco guys played. Clifton Chenier played an mm-hmm. accordion like this. And then um, now the Cajun boxes are very different. They have buttons on both sides. Those are smaller, right? They're smaller and they're diatonic. They push and pull differently. My accordion pushes and pulls the same, meaning that if I hold it's one It's the note, same scale in and out. Yeah, in and out, I get the same notes. notes. Okay. When when if anyone's played a harmonica, yeah, that's you what I was suck just... and push, you know, you get different notes. Yeah. That's how a diatonic accordion works, like a little Cajun box. Hmm. That. That's a whole different paradigm. It's a seems whole like. different thing. Yeah. You yeah. can't even play one of those. Yeah. Because you're instinctually just pulling, you know, yes. letting it breathe. But it, every time you pull out, yeah. or push and, in. And it's one reason that Cajun music sounds the way it does. Because you hear it's a little it's a little jerky. Uh-huh. You hear like just like. And what you're hearing is the rhythm of the bellows changing. Which has nothing to do with the beats. The beat because it's not on on the beat or off the beat. It's like in between. Yeah. So if you want to play the same note twice, you got to pull twice. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then if you want to change to the next note up, you got to push in. Uh huh. And then Uh, then uh, then you uh, want to go back to that other note, you got to pull out. Wow. So you got to go eh, eh, out, out, in, out, 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 in, in, out, out, in, out, in, out, out. Wow, in, that right? takes and a lot so of it, forethought. It's, and it just it gives it this whole other rhythm that's going on. That and it's one reason the music sounds the way it does, which is very hard to impersonate on a different on kind a of different kind of accordion. I can play a Cajun song, and it does sound like the Cajun song, but it doesn't have that exact same. There's a certain je ne sais quoi to it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Do you have a favorite type of music to play on the accordion? On the accordion? I'll play, play, um, I can play a couple other little things that are not klezmer just because I like them. Here's a, um, here's a cumbia that I like quite a lot. All right. Thank you. 
take um i'm gonna play a bunch of songs both with all with two beat patterns but all from different cultures i'm just gonna mash them up for all right time. cool okay glenn Hartman mashup <laughs> song and then that's a little song i learned from Beausoleil, and then it was a mexican um polka which was an old mexican revolutionary song called la adelita and then i turned it into another um mexican polka that i like and then into an old yiddish song um called labadich und freile which is kind of a classic yiddish tune so i'll bet your impression of humanity is really evolved over as you've learned all these different songs i mean you must be feel at one with with the world <laughs> um i mean i'm not being facetious no, entirely, you know um i i believe i think that cultural memory is one of the is one of is a beautiful thing and i think that 
if there's anything that I'd like to make kids think about, it's the fact that everything, as I say to a kid, I say, and I can say this to any of your listeners too, it would be, well, what do you, what do you have with you? They'll say, well, I have my, I don't know, I have my keys. I don't know, a couple something. Well, what else do you have? I don't know. Well, you know any songs? Sure. What songs do you know? Well, I know uh, Old MacDonald had a farm. Okay. You know any stories? You know any recipes? You know, know any mm-hmm. jokes? Right. Okay, well, so now let's say you move across the world. Well, what did you take with you? If you're lucky, you know, some belongings, but what'd you bring? You brought all the songs, you brought the music, you brought your jokes, you brought your recipes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is this is what happens when people move. So um, children sing different songs in different countries. Um, they eat different food. They do all these things. But, you know, we're all people, and, and it's, it's this... This is, this is what makes us wealthy, you know, as, as humans, is what we have and the, and the memory, the cultural memory that comes with these things that get passed down to us through the people who we know and, and um, the things that we learn. And so I love the idea of playing a song that is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. and um, playing it the way that I play it today and thinking about, uh, I mean, how much energy, spiritual, emotional, musical, historical, historical energy that is, 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 belong, is in that music, mm-hmm. you know, um, so. Yeah, it's sure. beautiful. It's cool. Yes. So that's it. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. I did want to ask about that first song you played, not in your medley, but the song right before that. You called it a Keiko or something? Or the last two songs you did? Oh, the Cumbia. Cumbia. What was that? Okay, so that song is called the Cumbia de los Locos. And it's a Colombian song. So, uh, um, cumbia is a is a is a dance, okay. and it's a certain kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And um, that and a, you know, I, I think that a lot of I don't, did cumbia come from Colombia? I don't know, I, but it's certainly a lot of cumbia comes from Colombia. Okay. Now there's cumbia from a lot of places. I don't know if cumbia claims to have originated the, the you know, the cumbia. I don't know that answer and I'm sure people are screaming all around the world right now as I say that mm. but um, that's one that I learned um, and it's a Colombian okay Columbia. I liked it it was a really cool melody it's a great tune and it, it's there's, there's lyrics to it that I don't know but um, it's it's uh, Columbia is a very fun music to listen to because the I just love the, all the songs they're really fun and funny and they and they often are about themselves like come listen to my cumbia it's the best cumbia uh, self promotional like, you know like come get you know of... put on your best shirt and come dance with me to my cumbia you know it's, it's the best that's one of my favorite styles of music is self referential and promotional yes it's good stuff 
So what was the name of that one? Cumbia de los Locos. Okay. And and I think the translation of the it, it's it means of the crazies, but but the um I think that the the basic gist of the lyrics are you know of all the crazy people in the world, musicians are the craziest. And maybe I am the craziest. Okay, yeah. My cumbia is the craziest. Me. Right, that's quite a claim. <laughs> I'd say drummers are the craziest of the musicians. You know what the theory behind that is? Why? Because uh, when you hit a cymbal, it gives out a square wave. Square waves apparently drive people crazy. So drummers are hearing square waves all the time. Mm. That's the most official sounding explanation I've ever heard. But It's certainly the most recent explanation I've heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's been many <laughs> over the years to try to explain those crazy drummers. Well, uh, Glenn, this has really been an enlightening experience. You've taught me a lot uh, just in this short two-part interview uh, about musics of the world and about yourself and i do appreciate you taking the time to come out here happy to share love wrbh and uh going forward i'm looking forward to coordinating with you on getting some of your um some of the members of your vast network of all-stars and non-all-stars in the music realm and into the booth here okay um it's gonna be beautiful All right, well, ladies and gentlemen out there in WRBH Radio Land, appreciate you listening. This is Charlie signing off on the music show on WRBH 88.3 FM, New Orleans. Bye-bye.